It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. hit the road 94.3 the game is gonna get you home and the p-man's not holding back yes yes pirates win pirates win bring on the patrick johnson show on 94.3 the game holy mackerel oh my goodness the flagship station of the ecu pirates welcome into the patrick johnson show ben b baby barm filling in for the pete man intern he's no longer an intern chris cook Cookie C squared on the ones and twos, my co-host for today. How's but, it going? How's hey, it going? Going pretty well. We were able to figure this out. We had to like do some last minute. Yeah, we, I'm not gonna here. lie. We had a little bit of technical difficulties there to start out. Yeah, yeah. It got down to the final like second. I had to like beat the clock to run back in here. But uh, but we made it. That's what matters, that's right? What matters. Yeah. It's not about. I I don't know. I'm I'm kind of a journey guy. The journey does matter. But either way, we're here. We're here and we're live, baby. Let's do it. Yeah. A lot to get in, uh, get into today. ECU football had their first practice in pads today. Players are definitely hyped up about that. Maybe a little bit of high school football a little bit later on. We'll hear from former Central head coach Ron Cook as uh, they get ready for their scrimmage that happened yesterday. Along with uh, former ECU Pirate football player, one of the better defensive linemen uh, to ever play for the program, and a former Super Bowl champion for Cookies, Green Bay Packers, C.J. Wilson, now the head coach of North Pitt. We'll hear from him, along with Washington Panpack head coach Perry Owens. And you know I had to get a picture with CJ. Oh, absolutely. I had to get a picture with Coach Wilson. I was very honored. I I was like, thank you for bringing a title to Green Bay. I think he appreciated (laughs) that for sure. It was, I'm not going to lie, it it definitely was a little weird because you're the only guy there doing it. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was like, I had to get that done. There was no way I was passing was that up. He, yeah. he was very accommodating. It was just in the formal cafeteria. I thought it was funny. He was like, uh, "What are you from there or something?" And I was like, "No, I'm from here." And he was like, "Oh, well, you, you know, like, why are you a fan?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, everybody grows up. I feel like it's a common theme around here where like the Panthers were so bad for so long, especially during that era. It was just like you just pulled for whoever was in the Super Bowl that year when you were a kid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean. I mean there's nothing wrong with that, I think. I mean, as long as you like football, as long as it's, you know, you're finding something to follow. But There's no need to gatekeep uh, fan basing, right? Absolutely not. I hate gatekeeping in anything in general. Yeah, me too. It ruins the fun of stuff, kind of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I hate it in, like, music. Uh, you even see it in wrestling, sports in general. Oh, like, yeah, it's not, bad in wrestling. Yeah, let's not be gatekeepers. Let's get into some of this ECU football audio from earlier today. They had their press conference after their first Full practice in pads, and today we'll talk about it in today's Pirate Report. And now, there we go. Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Ben Barham, Mr. Announcer, man. Patrick is out. He's at the working man's beach right now, enjoying some vacay. But let's get right into it. Mike Houston with his opening comments talking about the Pirates' first practice in pads. Back out there, um, you know, first day of live contact, tackling the ground kind of stuff. And I told, I told the kids, you know, it's, it's so important because, you know, when you're in thud, and our kids do a good job in thud, but, you know, you always hear, you know, I had him right there. I'd have got him on the ground. Or I, I'd have, he wouldn't have tackled me right there. I'd have run him over. Or I'd have made him miss or whatever. Well, when it's live on the ground, then, I mean, there's no debating. I mean, you either do or you don't. You either make the play or you don't. And so it's, 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 it's the balance. Especially early in camp, I think that stuff's important. Um, 
I thought we had a good competitive day, had three different live sessions during practice. Um, kids were, you know, pretty juiced up for it and went at each other pretty good, which is good. And so, uh, great film to uh, get better from. Back out there. Yeah, and I like that point he made there about uh, the first practice and pads. You know, I didn't even factor in that a lot of guys, when they're not wearing pads, are like, oh, I wasn't allowed to hit them. I definitely would have made that tackle or anything. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Now you have the clear-cut answer. You have that, that, you have that uh, closure almost. Who's the real thing? Who's not? I mean, it's completely different yeah, when you put the pads it, it's on. It's a whole different game when it starts getting physical. You know what I mean? The yeah. seven-on-sevens are good and everything, but you never really know until it starts getting physical. Yeah. Hey, I mean, there's probably like elite flag football guys that cannot play worth a lick. Oh, I'm sure there's a ton of guys like that, yeah. I like that (laughs) point you made. I mean, whenever guys bring up, like coaches specifically, the first full day in pads, they always bring up, oh, we just got to get them acclimated. You know, it's a little bit of adjustment with the weather and the heat and whatnot, you know. And, you know, the heat has been really – it's been bad around here lately. It's been a huge topic for conversation at the recent football press conference. I've noticed that. As an attendee of these press conferences, I have noticed that uh, there's been some questions about the heat, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, the heat's definitely a factor for these 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old kids, but, like, they're not 40-year-old media guys who are out of shape (laughs) and, like, complaining about the heat walking from their car to McDonald's or something. Like, come on, these are – world-class athletes here in the heat they're going to be all right but yeah I just like that I like that point he brought up because coaches never bring that up they always kind of focus more on just getting acclimated in the pads as opposed to now we got that clarity of who's good and who's not who's really the dog and who's not when it comes to putting the pads on so definitely some great insight there moving on there was a big stomach virus outbreak a lot of people were worried that it was COVID we did get that clarity that it was purely a stomach virus I saw Rahul Ehlers posted a picture on his Instagram story where he's hooked up to an IV with a lot of his teammates. I don't know if it's in a hospital room or it was in this, the ward building or wherever they were. Or I'm sure there's some kind of like nurse office or doctor office on East campus. Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining that this would have happened like on the athletic campus. Yeah. Either way, yeah, that was not a pretty sight. Merely just a stomach virus. Uh, Mike Houston talked about and kind of expressed uh, the difficulties dealing with that early in the week and even having to cancel practice, I believe, on Tuesday. So let's cue that up, Chris. That's cut number two here, the second one we had. Going back to that stomach virus. Sorry story. about that. No, you're uh, fine. You're I do fine. have I have it on Twitter. You want me to just do yeah, that? Yeah, okay. you're fine. You're Sorry fine. about that. But yeah, just going back to the stomach virus. Not ideal. I mean, it's uh, it definitely you know got kind of got us out of whack and. You know, we're still not full strength. Uh, still got some guys out and got some guys that are out there that were really battling through that didn't get cleared until this morning. So, um, yeah, you know, it's not ideal. But, you know, I told the kids, I said, after 2020, you know, we can handle pretty much anything. You know, it's kind of the next man up mentality. And I, I, t- I told the Wally Pip story last night during the team meeting and Lou Gehrig and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I think that's important that, you know, you never know what day is going to be your day. You know, Jacob Saker got, uh, you know, got the nod at right guard today with the first unit and played really, really well. And so, you know, the fact that he was prepared for that, you know, that's, you know, you, you never forget that day when you get your chance and you're prepared. And all of a sudden now you got some confidence. Yeah, absolutely. The team facing adversity here early before the season even started definitely might give them a chip on their shoulder, uh, the, the ability to battle adversity even early before uh, the season even starts. 
Yeah, um, and that's arguably harder to battle than a lot of the adversity they would face on the field. I yeah, mean, I, we've all been there, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, dude, imagine having to do a football practice with a stomach virus. Sounds horrible. Yeah, Sounds terrible. absolutely horrible. Absolutely, yes. It builds toughness, though. I'm sure it's built him some toughness. Yeah. Moving on, he expressed his thoughts on the wide receiving core, which a lot of people have had a lot of questions about with Tyler Sneed leaving, Audio Matosho, among a few other guys that are no longer uh, on with the program. We do know that Jalen Johnson from Georgia is looking pretty good in camp so far. C.J. Johnson is back playing with the team, practicing with the team, coming back from that suspension. And a few other guys are stepping up like Josiah Hatfield. Here's Mike Houston on that. I think really good. I think we've improved this week. Uh, I think we've got multiple guys making plays. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, just you don't just have one guy. You've got several guys. Uh, I think our timing is getting better. Um, you know, the touchdown with one offense was um, holding to Isaiah. Uh, so it was good to see him make that play. Uh, I think that's going to give him confidence and hope and confidence. And, uh, but there's, you know, I think Jalen has had a very, very solid camp so far. Um, I think CJ's having a very solid camp. Uh, you know, Ryan is having a solid camp. Shane is having a solid camp. Uh, Josiah is having a very good camp. So uh, I think that there's lots of guys doing a lot of good things. It's good to hear, especially with all the turnover last season with some pretty clutch guys like Tyler Sneed. Good to hear that the wide receiving room is showing out, looking pretty good, and they have a number of options there. Now looking on the other side of the field, or the other side of the spectrum here, the secondary. Another group that faced a couple of huge losses in the offseason with Jaquan McMillan going to the Broncos undrafted, which he should have never been undrafted. That's a, that's a darn shame for sure. Also, DJ Ford, I believe he ended up on the Jets a crucial safety for them, and Warren Saba, who ended up in the USFL with the Michigan Panthers under Jeff Fisher, all crucial starters for the Pirates last year. With that kind of turnaround, how's the secondary looking, Coach? Well, I think that uh, you know the older guys have been with us, I think, are playing well. Uh, Malik, Demel, uh, Juwan Powell, even though Juwan uh, did not practice today, he's had a good start to camp. Um, I think you know, you're seeing you know, what can some of the younger guys do uh, I think that, uh, you know, Fletcher Marshall, uh, I think he's probably going to be able to contribute hopefully this year. Um, Isaiah Brown-Murray, I think for a true freshman, um, you know, is out there competing. We'll see if he's ready to play this year. Um, you know, pre-Washington uh, is having a very solid camp. So, uh, you know, I think solid. Uh, now I think they're getting challenged because, uh, you know, if they line up against, uh, you know, those top guys, you know, they've got to they have their stuff together now. And, you know, I think that's something a lot of us Pirate fans don't factor in when it comes to the secondary. Everybody's pretty worried about that, the diehards for sure, with Jaquan McMillan, who was basically a lockdown corner here at ECU, especially in his senior year before he went pro. And DJ Ford, who had great experience at UNC and was a big recruit there and came over and did pretty well, had some clutch plays. Uh, look, Think back to that Memphis game, which was a crucial game for the Pirates last year, had a clutch play at the end. And then Warren Saber, who's been consistently a solid guy, had struggled with some injuries at the linebacker position, moved to safety, and farewell, ended up playing pro football somewhere. Now you have these guys who have been, not specifically at other teams, but have played within the Pirate program, have some experience, and are willing to get the job done. And Malik Fleming, who had some clutch plays last year, had flashes. Jawan Powell is a guy who's also shown flashes as a starter with the Pirates, along with Gerard Stringer, who's battled injuries. All these guys have shown flashes I think that's definitely encouraging. Uh, the fact that you lost some crucial guys definitely is a concern for sure, but I, I admire the fact that we have guys in that secondary have played with 
not just play D1 football and have experience as a starter, but they have experience as a pirate, a pirate starter. So that's definitely something that kind of put everybody at ease when it comes to secondary position for sure. For sure. Um, I would think so. What do you think, Chris? Just having guys being in the program have played in the secondary of starters got to be a got to be a just got to put a lot of people at ease. For sure, yeah, and and I, I agree with you that it's good that they play with those guys that have also left, like yep. Jaquan McMillan and guys like that. Crazy that he didn't get drafted, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, would, I was like, what? Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, that's definitely good that they learn from those guys, and hopefully they can take what they learned from them and apply it this year. Yeah, that's going to do it for today's Pirate Report. We'll keep you updated almost every day what's happening from ECU football camp. Next week, we should be getting some more players and some coordinators in the coast. And, of course, we'll get some Houston. So stay tuned for that in our daily Pirate Report. Coming up on the other side of this quick timeout, we'll get into the headlines of the day. High school football audio from the coaches is coming from the 2A Eastern Plain Conference. But we have a little bit of controversy with Deshaun Watson. Of course, there's always controversy associated with his name. Jimmy G to the Browns. KD to the Celtics. A.B., what crazy stuff is he posting? More on that on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. And Pirates. Play there. Panthers. Good, baby. Very good. The P-Man. This is Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. The Game. No, folks, the show is not concluding. We still have another 45 minutes, but that's all right, though. They're trying to kick me off before I even finish here. I can't even get an hour in. But getting right into the headlines, a lot of controversial stuff going on, especially when you look at the Browns. Deshaun Watson will start in the preseason game this Friday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I guess the big question surrounding this is what exactly is the point? You know, I hear a lot of people saying they want to get their money's worth. But do you potentially want to risk an injury? in the preseason just because you want to get your money's worth in a meaningless game. That makes absolutely no sense to me because we've seen Deshaun Watson. I don't want to say he's been injury prone, but he's had major ACL injuries before with the Texans. I don't see why you want to risk that because that's an injury that could potentially last past six weeks. That's, this this makes absolutely no sense to me. Yeah, I think so too. And also with the potential of him uh, not playing the first six games, I don't know why you uh, wouldn't give Jacoby Brissett the you know the playing time to like get him familiar more with the offense and stuff like that. I really don't see the logic here. Yeah, I mean J- Jacoby Brissett. If we're talking backups, probably one of the better backups in the league. Shown he could start. Not necessarily that he can win is the problem. But he can start, though. Yeah, yeah, and that leads us to our next thing. Browns to consider, according to a report by Pro Football Talk, Jimmy Garoppolo, if the Sean Watson suspension increases. I think that's inevitable. That's going to happen. But Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy that's proven he can win in backup situations coming in as a starter or taking over the starting job. Yeah, say what you want about him, but dude's a winner. Look at his win percentage. I yeah. mean, I'm not the biggest fan of him, and I definitely see some like holes in his game, but yeah. no one can deny that he's a winner, you know? Jimmy is actually not a bad quarterback. His problem is, is when it matters most, especially in the playoffs, he always makes a boneheaded play or the worst possible decision. I think back to the Super Bowl, yeah, with the Super Chiefs. Super Bowl, uh-huh. even this past year. Even this past year. Oh, yeah, yeah right. I mean, yeah, he's 
had some really bad moments when it comes to the playoffs. After he took my Green Bay Packers out of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was bound to happen. That seems to be a, a running gag with the Packers right now. It's the inevitable that they're going to lose. I almost expect it now in the NFC going into the game. games. Yeah. <laughs> they get to the NFC Championship game and dip. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's shown Jimmy Garoppolo should fare well for six games and get the Browns on track and have them as a competitive team. I thought he was the guy that probably should have came to the Panthers. A guy that can come in right away if you're trying to rebuild and win you some games. Mentor a young guy like Matt Corral or even a Sam Darnold and get them on track. So do you take him over Baker Mayfield as the Panthers? Honestly, uh, I would. I okay, would. Yeah. That's interesting. I think Baker, I think we've already seen Baker's ceiling. I don't think he's going to get any better with the Panthers, I'm, to be I'm quite honest with you. I've kind of come to that conclusion. Even though he's set, up, he's set up to win here. He's set up in a pretty favorable situation. Not better than when he was with the Browns uh, later on during his tenure there, but he's still set up to make something happen. I'm just not sure I'm as big of a Baker believer as I thought. I think we've already kind of seen his ceiling. At least with Jimmy Garoppolo, he's a veteran presence that can win you games while you're trying to rebuild is For why sure. I kind of prefer him. But see, that brings up another question. If this trade were to happen, do you think it would happen before the season starts or do you think they would wait until that uh, trade deadline? Absolutely. I I think you can't wait to get Jimmy Garoppolo at the trade deadline. Yeah, because, I'm with yeah. you on that. I think if you're going to pull the trigger on that, you got to go ahead and do it. Well, first of all, you got to have him in training camp, and then who's going to be your starter while Watson's out? Because by the time the trade deadline's up, Watson would have served this six weeks. But it all comes down to how long is that suspension going to increase? And even I'm, I'm thinking maybe 10, maybe four more games for Watson. That still doesn't warrant a couple of games at the trade deadline for Jimmy Garoppolo. He's probably going to start two or three after the trade deadline before Watson comes back. Like, I just don't see how that would make a lot of sense getting Garoppolo at the deadline. You got to get him right now. Uh, when you when you know you have the suspension coming, or actually it's set in stone, it's going to happen. You need a starter. You need a guy that's going to win games. This Browns feel like they're Super Bowl ready. They're ready to win a Super Bowl now. And Jacoby Brissett, good backup, but he's not going to be the guy. And Jimmy G has proven he can get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, Brissett has not uh, proved that yet. So I could, yeah, I, I would think that would be a smart move for the Browns, honestly, getting Jimmy G. And I agree with you. I would go ahead and get him now instead yeah. of and put him through some training camp. You know, get him familiar with the offense and stuff like that. It's it'll be a bad move, I think, if they wait until that trade deadline. Yeah, well, it's already a little bit too late, so they kind of have to pull the trigger. I would expect if we're going to see a trade, we'll see it very soon within the coming days, at least at the latest next week. If not, we're not getting anything at all, I would think. For sure, yeah. If next week, if it's not coming around by next week, it might not happen. Yeah. After the preseason games, see how things go with the backups. If they don't like what they see, I would expect a, a trade somewhere next week. But moving on to the NFL slate, one more thing. Antonio Brown. I, th I think people get a kick out of this. And uh -oh. I can't believe this is a real statement. Uh-oh. <laughs> Antonio Brown is finally vocal again on his Twitter. This is tweeted by his Twitter. Official statement by Antonio Brown on, on his biggest regret so far. Antonio Brown should have a lot of regrets. He ruined a Hall of Fame career. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer now. I'm with you on that yeah. one, yeah. And he could have been, I think, a top three receiver all the time. I think he can make it into that little uh, NFL Network documentary, the best characters or the most entertaining characters. You there you go, I mean? He yeah. might be number one on that list now. I don't know. Official quote by AB on his Twitter my biggest regret in my career doesn't involve calling my GM a cracker or showing up to Raiders camp late in a hot air balloon with frozen feet or throwing rocks at that UPS driver. I didn't even know that happened. That's why I didn't either. I just found that out today. And it definitely doesn't involve taking my shirt off and doing a victory lap around the Jets stadium mid game while throwing up deuces. My biggest regret is that I'll never get to see me 
Antonio Brown, play a game live. Sure, I can watch the game afterwards, but I can't imagine what it was like for you guys all to see something like that. It's like watching the Beatles or Jesus perform at the Red Rocks. I love the jump that he made there. It goes from, <laughs> it's like watching the Beatles or Jesus. It, it was like slowly building up. It was already absurd from the start, and then it just continues to top itself. But yeah. This tells me this guy's not getting signed. He's done with his NFL career. I'm with you. Uh, I thought it was interesting that in those list of uh, crazy things that could be his biggest regret, he didn't bring up farting in his uh, physician's face. I, you told I could me not that. believe that he didn't bring that up. That was one of the craziest things I've ever uh, seen. All right, jerk move on his part, bad move on his part. Come on, that's hilarious. That's just oh, funny. Oh, yeah, it that's was funny. funny. I, I got a great kick out of that yeah, one. I absolutely. did. Absolutely. Because the doctor, like, no sells it, like, doesn't show any emotion to it at all. And it's just, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. It's not the domestic abuse allegations. It's not this or that. It's not having Brady uh, basically welcome you into his home and then quitting midseason. None of that now. It's it's all the other stuff, like throwing rocks at a UPS driver, something I would have done when I was 12 years old. That's his, that, 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 he doesn't regret that either, though. Yeah, he regrets you, you not being able to be in the crowd and see himself play. Yeah, this guy, I, that, that pretty much cements his career, and I guess that leaves it. Uh, the big question, is A.B. a Hall of Famer? And <laughs> I don't think he is. I'm going to say no. Uh, one thing with Hall of Famers, to me, I think you have to be the best at your position for at least one year or yeah. at least top three. Ah, he, he was, though. I, for I seven he years was. he was, yeah. But do you think that he's, like, gone back on that now, like that validation with all of this stuff, like even today's tweet? Yeah, I. you know, I don't know. I don't know if the league or the Hall of Fame is going to buy too much into that. I, I like to think they strictly look at playing career. Obviously, if a guy merged somebody, oh, that's not the question. He's out, yeah. And everyone wants to say OJ. OJ was already inducted. But, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they, they – they, it doesn't seem like the Hall of Fame puts these guys in, guys in based on uh, their morals or how, they, how good of a person they are. So, I look at it this way. I'm kind of the same way. Got to be the best of your position for at least three years is my, is okay, my only – I got you. Yeah, that's my kind of – only, uh, only, only way that I consider you as a Hall of Famer, and he's done it for at least seven. So, I thought he could have been. The problem is his ceiling could have been one of the greatest receivers of all time, and he ruined it. I don't even think he's top five now. Talent, oh, really? yeah, but I don't think for you. overall career. I don't think he's top five wide receiver. Of all I don't time. either. Yeah, for sure. Which is unfortunate. Uh, wrapping up the NFL slate, uh, Marshawn Lynch. His mugshot recently. I'm not going to delve too much into this, but you got to be honest. It's a it's a hard looking mugshot. Well, it's weird because uh, we've been geared up to believe Marshawn Lynch is a guy who came from a rough background. Uh, football turned his life around, saved his life pretty much, and he's just this fun loving guy, you know, who came from a tough background that everybody loves. He's like big with the kids, big on all these family friendly shows, these talk shows, um, and now he's. Yeah, how how mighty the far have fallen, or how mighty the, how the uh, mighty have, have fallen, fallen. Pretty yes. much, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it, just do yourself a favor. I don't want to say I don't know. I, it's bad that I kind of laugh at this, but this mugshot is is horrendous. It, it's it's one of the more interesting mugshots I've seen in a while. I would say maybe yeah. ever. Yeah, one of his eyes is closed, uh, but it's it's like almost closed, but you can still see like a little sliver of it open. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I uh, moving on. I won't delve too much into that. I don't want. I don't want to make too much of his personal issues. But the mugshot That's definitely fair. had me bugging. But moving on to KD to the Celtics is the big move right now. The big rumor on the NBA uh, on the NBA hotbed right now. And I got to think if KD's going to the Celtics and if he's getting traded, you're going to have to give up a Tatum or a Brown at the very least. One or the other, I would think. 
See, I think they should give up uh, Jalen Brown because can you imagine a team with uh, KD and Tatum? Yeah. Uh, like, wow. I don't think it's going to happen, though. I think if you're getting uh, I don't KD, think it's going to happen either. I think if you're getting KD, you have to get a Tatum. I mean, KD's top three player in the world. I mean, Tatum's got that kind of value where he's a young guy who's got the potential to be like a KD down the line as one of the top three players in the league. Led his team to the finals this year. Put the team on his back along with Jalen Brown. A team that was really struggling at the beginning of the NBA season. I think KD to the Celtics. I still think the Celtics are NBA uh, champ contenders for sure. But uh, I kind of like the core the Boston Celtics got going. And I don't think the Celtics should pull the trigger when you got Jalen Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I think that's the duo moving forward. You got to build around them. It's I agree. Be with way you. cheaper than building around a KD. I think Tatum's just that dude. Yeah, that absolutely. Dude, very yeah, young, already like playing past what guys his age would be playing at this level. Yeah. Uh, I'm just fully amazed by him. Yeah. Yeah. Wrapping it up, getting back to some ECU related stuff. You know, I try not to buy too much in a big game boomer, but they're they're so damn nice to our Pirates, except for this recent one they did. They rank the best student student sections in all of college football, and they do it by tier. So they have tier one, tier two, tier three, and it's out of seven. ECU is at tier four. I think that's ridiculous. Fair or foul, you're going foul. Ridiculous. I, I Look, I get that Pirate fans are faithful, and they like to show up, but you can't discredit the fact that during the Scotty Moore, Scotty Moe era, and then early right now in the Mike Houston era, the past couple of seasons, despite a few games, that the student section was kind of lacking a little bit. It's gotten better. Gotten I, better. I'd say it has gotten better, yeah. But if we're saying right now, I still think t- Tier 4 is a little foul, but like Tier 3 at the very least, like, come See, on See, I would now. give them like a high or uh, maybe a very low like Tier 2. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, it's... I could see them being at the end of Tier 2, maybe the beginning of Tier 3, but 4 is, yeah, that's ridiculous. I think as Pirate fans, we've got to hold ourselves accountable to the fact that for the past, let's say, six years, attendance has not been great. It's been lacking. It yeah. has. Yeah. I've noticed that. So like, we can't go based on 30 years ago or the Peach Bowl or even 10 years ago under Ruffin McNeil. I mean, this has been a, I don't want to say necessarily the student section. They have tried. They've yeah. tried. They've tried to get that going, but just the environment as a whole, We've seen flashes, especially Mike Houston getting this program back on track. I think it's going to be really great this year. But just based on what we've seen the past few years, I think this is somewhat fair. I'm going to lean a little bit more towards foul, but I, I see their side. I see their point. I do too, but I feel like uh, even though there is some attendance problems, I feel like it hasn't affected the boneyard. No, like the yeah. student section, it, it's been bumping for uh, almost every – I mean, don't get me wrong. There's been some games that I've been there and the boneyard's been a little low, but uh, – even if the attendance and like the regular crowd isn't yep. that great, I feel like the students normally show out for yeah. sure. Yeah, I think a lot of problems that plague us is we had a home game either last year or the year before that was on Halloween, which is like one of the biggest party nights for the students. Oh, yeah, that was a mistake. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to hit Halloween that night, go downtown. Then you have uh, – we had a couple of games the weekend or the weekend after Thanksgiving. Yeah, the Cincinnati game. Yeah, students what a are game out of town. to have uh, that close to Thanksgiving. Turnout right? was great for that game. It was. But I was there, impressed. Very there was a Tulsa surprised. game where it was pretty lackluster two years ago. You know, it's we've had some circumstances that have not played in our favor when it comes to the student section, but they have tried and they've had turned out pretty well. A little disrespectful, but I see their point. Moving on, coming up. We'll catch up from the 2A Eastern Plains Conference Coaches Clinic yesterday. They voted in a preseason poll. We'll give you those results. Also here for Forest Central Head Coach Ron Cook. 
as he looks to continue to rebuild that program. And former ECU football great, former Super Bowl champion for the for Cookies Green Bay Packers. Yes, sir. I guess yes, sir. Whoever's a Green Bay Packer fan, you're a Green Bay Packer. C.J. Wilson, now head coach of North Pitt. We'll hear from the Washington head coach. More on that on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. I was about to sound like a boomer there for a second. I was like, what are you playing, Chris? The Dougie or something? Oh, you don't know this one? No, what's this? Lonely No More by Rob Thomas. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Now now that the chorus is kicking in. Enough about the music. Let's get into some high school football. 2A Eastern Plains Conference. A lot of teams in that conference within the area who have had some playoff appearances, had some recent success, a lot of new faces, a lot of familiar faces. Let's get right into it. A guy who's trying to turn a program around that's been desperately struggling for the past couple of seasons and Farmville Central head coach Ron Cook comes from Pamlico as their previous uh, football head coach. Uh, he talks about basically how preseason camp's going, how's that rebuilding been going in the offseason. Oh, it's been going very well. Uh, you know, we have it's a way better position we're in right now than we were last year at this time because we got a year of experience on that belt for kids, not only playing but being within the program and the offseason training and uh, just the work coaching staff put into you know, recruiting our own hallways in middle school. Uh, also allowed us to have a JV team this year for the first time in decades. Um, I know hearing from alumni excited about that. So uh, it's, it's been going pretty well. And we'll find out you know, for sure. No, where we're at, you know, have a better idea where we're at tonight when we have our, our first scrimmage. Yeah, definitely interesting to see how that uh, rebuild's going to continue to go. He talked a little bit more about the rebuilding process and changing the culture at Farmville Central, especially in that locker room. Cut for Chris. Yeah, definitely heading the right direction. Just, just uh, look at our numbers. Like I said, we're at about sixty-one guys. We have JV team. We've had fifteen core freshmen that've been, you know, through summer workouts the entire summer. That makes a big difference. We got some good talent in that freshman class, the class of 26. Very uh, young guy coming up that you know, I think is going to be really good for us at quarterback in the, you know, in the future, in the years to come. So. He talked about the preseason poll that the coaches voted on yesterday, and all the Pitt County teams rounded out the bottom. It follows out of seven teams at seven, eight in Grifton. Hey, maybe partially some of that had to do with the fact, well, they had a COVID-ridden season last year. It wasn't pretty when they did play, but COVID definitely played a factor. But the fact that their coach was not there because they were playing a scrimmage uh, definitely probably would have got gave himself some points in his direction. But you have Farmville at six. We'll get Ron Cook on that a little bit more here in a sec. Uh, North Pitt head coach, or North Pitt was at fifth. Uh, we'll have uh, C.J. Wilson talking about that here in a little bit. And then it rounds up number one, Washington, number two, Southwest Edgecombe, number three, West Craven. And then number four, I believe the other team is – I'm missing the other team. I'm drawing a blank here. Either way, you get the point. Um, Farmville Central picked six in the preseason poll. Is Ron Cook going to use that as motivation moving forward for the team? Let's hear it. I was expected. They're going to only go by what they experienced and what they you know, what they experienced last year and what they seen last year and what they think they know. And I know everybody's going to be different you know, this year. Everybody, you know, it's a brand-new team every year. But um, – I think we'll be a lot better this year than, than where we finished last year and definitely from where we picked this year. Now, we're still – we're not up there and we're not going to be top three or anything yet, but I think, you know, we'll uh, you know, probably surprise the people and be somewhere 
a little bit higher than where we picked and you know, uh, in the middle you know, of the pack. Apologize for drawing a blank there. It was Green Central, who coached Jay Wilson, by the way. What a character here at this press conference. More audio from Jay Wilson, Green Central head coach, tomorrow. But uh, they did play Green Central in a scrimmage yesterday against South Central and actually beat South Central in that scrimmage. It's only a scrimmage game. But Green Central picked fourth in the preseason poll. Definitely going to be an interesting team this year and a team that I predict is going to surprise a lot of people this season. Moving on, we'll go into North Pitt. C.J. Wilson, former Pirate, Super Bowl champ. He talks about having a season coaching, or actually, excuse me, what are his standouts at camp so far? And we'll get more into his coaching so far at North Pitt. Cut 10. You know what? I don't want to give a shout out on the names, but I say we got a, a, a bunch of uh, we got good, good skill positions. Uh, our receivers, all of my receivers are just doing a great job. Running backs, they all doing a good job. I, I don't want to put one over the, other, over the other because they've been doing a great job. I and mean, that's what it is. It's team effort right now. And I don't want to just start name dropping because it's like, you know, it's, it's almost disrespectful to the other guy that's the, the center that's snapping the ball that if you don't snap it the right way, we can't play, you know, or, or tackle that don't block so the quarterback can throw or the running back can run. So I, right now it's too early to tell who's going to be the star because anybody can do it without pass. Anybody can do it against uh, your, you're going against your team. But we want to see what today, who's going to stand out. That's what we're looking for as a coaching staff. Getting a little bit more into his coaching experience so far at North Pitt in this offseason as he's gearing up for his first year after a playoff appearance for North Pitt. Um, somebody asked, I thought it was a little bit of a weird question, does he use his NFL experience – uh, kind of use that kind of credibility to coach up the guys and get the players to respect them and understand that what he's teaching them is something that is the correct way and something that can get him potentially or get them to, let's say, a college, maybe not a D1 college, but get them playing football even further beyond high school and equate to success. I think it's a no-brainer. Obviously, he's going to use his NFL experience. Weird question, but the way he worded it and the way he answered it was more so how does he – go about that how does he use his NFL experiences to coach up these guys recalls maybe some stories maybe recall some things he's seen in the league and teaching it to these younger guys and you got to think if you're if you're in high school playing under a former Super Bowl champ who's played a good amount he had a, had a solid career in the NFL played along guys like Aaron Rodgers amongst a, a couple of other studs for Green Bay you got to think that's going to demand instant respect and it's got to be a privilege for sure especially when you're talking about a Super Bowl champ. C.J. Wilson talks about that, using his NFL, NFL experience to coach his team. If I didn't do that, then I won't be doing, doing my job as a coach because, uh, fortunately, I do know what it takes to make it all the way, and I do know the effort and the, the, the thought process and the, the, the daily grind that it takes to be great. And so that's why I approach it the way I do, is that one-day mindset, every day get better. And the guys, it's starting to, uh, they're starting to get it. Taking time, taking time, but they start to understand what it takes to be great. Yeah, I mean, that's a no-brainer. That's a no, I, I feel like that was. Yeah, I, I mean, imagine your yeah. high school football coach being a Super Bowl champion. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, it's hard to imagine. That's a privilege for sure. Then he talked about the preseason poll. North pick pick fifth after a playoff, uh, pretty much a playoff appearance. I don't want to say during a rebuilding year, but as. There was a coach and change. Things were clearly going to wind down. This was a team that was struggling to win two games in a season the past couple years before that. Right before you're about to gear up for a rebuild, you get a playoff appearance. They're a little bit ahead of schedule. They would probably like to think. Picked in the fifth in the preseason poll. 
How does C.J. Wilson feel about that? Oh, exactly what we should be picked, you know, and that's what I – and it just shows me how people think of us. And um, it's good to play underdog role. I've been in the underdog role. I've been in the top dog role. But one thing is, it, like you said, it don't matter to the end. It don't matter. And it just, just give you uh, confidence, you know, give you fuel for your fire, you know, that, okay, they think we are almost be last, then, okay, then we – this is what the program has been doing kind of over the years. So we have to do a, good, a great job day one, day two, you know. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I did find it weird that he was like exactly where we should be, but I think he likes to use it as a chip on his shoulder, motivation going forward. I do think some coaches do use that preseason poll. A lot of them would tell you that they don't really buy much into it. It's a preseason poll. The only one that matters is the postseason, the one at the end of the year. Jay Wilson specifically said the only one that matters is the one at Halloween. I guess it's when they wrap up the postseason one before the playoffs. But uh, I do like to think it could be a good motivating factor. Hey, here's how other coaches think about us. We're not getting the respect we deserve. Let's prove them wrong. Let's use it as a chip on our shoulder. Let's use it as motivation in our head moving forward and go out on every play and make something happen. Yeah, Let's I don't see underdogs. how you don't use that as motivation. That, yeah. w- that would just light a fire under me, you know what I mean? Yeah, like absolutely. hearing that. I just came out of the playoffs, and you're saying that uh, we're going to be the fifth team in the conference? Given this conference is a whole lot better. This conference is very competitive. Um, I, I kind of want to liken it to uh, the 3A, 4A Big Carolina Conference where all across the board you have some very solid programs, but towards the bottom, Farville Central – and Aiden have had their issues here recently. Aiden more so because of COVID, but when that program's rolling, we see only a couple years ago, they definitely could be dangerous. Wrapping up with Coach Perry Owens coming off a playoff experience or a playoff appearance. Good team in Washington with Perry Owens, a team that was picked number one in the preseason poll. He talks about his expectations coming into this season and following up a playoff appearance the previous season. I feel good about the young talent we have, you know, to go to the Eastern Finals two seasons ago, to be back in the, the third round and, and a couple possessions away from beating a Northeastern team that's really, really talented every year. Um, we feel good about what we've accomplished as a program. But now, hey, we're going into it. This is our third preseason poll. We've been ranked first. Um, we didn't meet expectations last year, so the preseason really doesn't mean a whole lot to us as far as the poll. It's the postseason poll. We didn't get the job done last year. Wes Craven beat us at home we got to lock in week to week. And in this league, with our talent level changing and getting younger and other teams getting better, we got to find ourselves in a position just to lock in week to week with this young, talented crew we have. And we feel good about it. So a lot of excitement, but uh, we're just ready to put the pads on tonight and get a scrimmage on. We'll hear more from Southwest Edge Home head coaches, Wes Craven, and Green Central tomorrow on the uh, Patrick Johnson Show. In the meantime, a quick update from the League Softball World Series here in Greenville, the North Carolina Pitt County team. Uh, three outs away from a victory against Puerto Rico, the Latin American team. They lead 8 to nothing. a dominant win. Well, it's looking like a win. You know, they still got three outs to go, but we could pretty much put this one in the books. A dominant victory on their part to get back in the win column or finally get in the win column. And uh, definitely, uh, you could see our video or an exclusive video of the crowd reaction at 943 The Game on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. People are hyped there in the stands. The atmosphere is electric. If you can go out to a game, it's free. It's free to go to the Little League Softball World Series if you got time and support uh, this Pitt County girls softball team who could potentially get some national acclaim here if they win the whole thing. Definitely good to see that they won 8 to nothing over Latin America. Moving on, other side of this week, timeout. It's August. We're still not quite into the football season yet. We do have some preseason games tonight. But we'll have one last fun segment to wrap up the summer. 
before we get into the thick of football. My guy, Chris Cook's a wrestler. I'm a wrestling fan. Ric Flair, synonymous with North Carolina. Taking a look at Ric Flair's retirement matches. Ranking the three the three that he had. What are the best? We'll debate on the other side of this quick time out to wrap up the Patrick Johnson show here. On the other side of this quick time out. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Byron filling in for the P-Man here to wrap it up. Chris Cook, Cookie on the ones and twos as my co-host. And some breaking news out of Stalling Stadium at Elm Street Park. Greenville, Pitt County, North Carolina softball team officially knocks off Puerto Rico 8-0. They will advance. You can see live videos or reactions to that win. People are going nuts in the stadium on our Twitter at 943 the game, as well as Instagram and Facebook at 943 the game. And let's get right into this Ric Flair stuff right here. We're ranking his TNA retirement, his WWE retirement, and his Ric Flair last match Woo! pay-per-view retirement. There we go. Classic staple, Carolina staple Ric Flair. Guy who really uh, worked his way up in wrestling and made his money here. Uh, we claim his uh, him as a native, even though that's more so kayfabe, but... Nonetheless, he's always going to be a North Carolina guy to me. If you don't think Ric Flair's from Charlotte, then something's wrong with you. Yeah, head. absolutely, absolutely. So, all right, can we agree on number three? I don't think we'll agree on number one because you have differing opinions about I, the last paper. I, I think one. we talked about this a little bit. I think I do have some different opinions. Uh, number three, I'm going to say, is his uh, TNA, Total Nonstop Action, retirement against yeah. uh, the Icon Sting. I'll give them this. They booked the right opponent. They did, yeah. Great matches back in the 80s between them. That was a very good farewell for him that he didn't take as a farewell. Yeah, he made, I mean, he pretty much made Sting. It wasn't really a passing the torch situation. It was just kind of a throwback. It's kind of a big match that highlighted, or a big highlight of their career. I like the booking, but uh, in terms of the match, just boring. Just boring, very forgettable. You forget that there was a Ric Flair retirement match in TNA. We can agree on that one. We can, and I don't even think they build this as his retirement yeah. match. I think he just had it and was like, hey, th by the way, this is my last one. Yeah, smart one if that's going to be your last one. Number two is where things are going to get differing. In, of Let's course, hear number your one. number two. Number two for me is Ric Flair's last pay-per-view match. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right, all right. Let me explain. At the end of the day, it was a sad match. I think I described it as grotesque, but profound, sad, but also entertaining. <laughs> And that's the perfect way to sum it up. There was a point where Flair went to grab the brass knuckles, and he described how he was so dehydrated, he passed out twice during the match. And when he goes to grab the brass knuckles, he couldn't even put his fingers through the knuckles that Andrade tried to give him, and eventually he just had to clamp it in his fist and use it. It was a sad sight for sure, but entertaining. Uh, kind of hilarious. I hate to say it. Kind of funny. I was laughing the entire time, but in a good way. Yeah. But, you know, it was packed. He made his money. It was a solid farewell. All of his people were there. All of his uh, big opponents, all the well people that kind of Flair brought up are well-respected by Flair. And that Flair, uh, yeah, pretty much well-respected people that are associated with Flair and The Undertaker, Bret Hart, Mick Foley. Um, I thought it was a good a farewell, but definitely some hilarious moments. So that's why I'm going to put it at number two. I don't when, think it was a great match How about all. when he faked uh, a heart attack in front of his wife and children? See, I, <laughs> I didn't even realize. I didn't even remember that until I saw it on Twitter later. And, like, I don't even think. Who's the, uh, who's the, uh, who was the other guy? Not Jeff Jarrett that was on the other team. I, I, Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal. That's right. Jay Lethal. Uh, I don't even think he was filled in on that situation. He might he have was, thought it was. He real. grabbed the ref yeah. and was definitely concerned. He might have really sold me on that one, but. 
that definitely was a weird spot for sure. And uh, playing into the rumors that Ric Flair wasn't in good health, which it turned out he wasn't. So who's your, your number two is going to be the WrestleMania match, which I think is the greatest retirement match of all time. Like, you can't beat that. You couldn't have written that better. Like I think that was the greatest retirement match of all time until this happened. Oh, my God. All right, <laughs> explain why this match was the greatest match ever and why you would dog it over what was just a great wrestling match in general, even with, with Flair at that age, from the entrance down to the very end. Um. So the the first thing I want to bring up is that I've watched a lot of wrestling with some friends that uh, despise wrestling. Like, yep. don't get it. They don't get the hype about it. They don't understand why people watch it. And they fully enjoyed this match. And the reason that I'm going to say it's better than his uh, WrestleMania match against Shawn Michaels, which was, again, before this, the greatest retirement match, it had me on the edge of my seat the entire time. And I don't know if it was uh, the way that he... I don't know if it, if I was on the edge of my seat the way he wanted me to be, where it's because, you know, it was such a good match and yeah. stuff like that. But I was genuinely concerned for this guy's health for, like, the entire <laughs> match. And you brought up the brass knuckles where he uh, Andrade tried handing him the brass knuckles and he physically could not get his hand into the brass knuckles. When he stood up and actually somehow managed to use them to hit Jeff Jarrett. That was a but, big what, moment. Yeah, well, what a moment. <laughs> what a moment. And then at the end, I love the facial expressions. The cameraman knew his job and did it well. At the very end of the match when he's just laying there, you know that feeling where you're like, oh, my God, it's over. Yeah. You can just see the pure look of, like, uh, I don't. It's it's almost like no one's there when you're looking at him after the match. He just yeah. looks dead. Yeah, the music timed out perfectly for when he pulls himself up on the ropes and he does the smile. <laughs> Confetti's going everywhere, <laughs> and people in the crowd just look straight up concerned. Yeah, they don't know how to react <laughs> while the confetti's falling. Like it's just dead. It's just a dead crowd as the confetti's falling. Yeah, definitely some great moments, some hilarious moments. But from a pure like a wrestling fan standpoint, you know what a good wrestling match is objectively. That Ric Flair Shawn Michaels match was just a good match. It's a great send off. Yeah, but did it have you on the edge of your seat? The Absolutely. Entire time? Uh, but the entire the time, way, maybe though. not, but not not in the same sense. I think the last pay per view match had me on the edge of my seat for all the wrong reasons. But see, are they the wrong reasons if it had you on the edge of your seat? Though you get what I'm saying. We can we can debate this until the cows we come can, home. Yeah. But we got to wrap it up here on the Patrick Johnson Show tomorrow. Looking to have Jim Soakey, Carolina Panthers color commentator. Also, we'll hear from Green Central head coach, Southwest Edgecombe head coach, and we'll hear from West Craven head coach as we wrap up the 2A Eastern Plains Conference Coaches Clinic coverage. A little bit more ECU football. That comes your way on a free ball Friday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Live at 5 tomorrow right here on the flagship station ECU Pirates. 94.3 The Game. See you.